Yes, folks, it's Thursday. This is 2 p.m. Central. I'm Fred McMurray, and this is Pillars of Franchising. Yay! And it looks like our sound isn't working. Isn't that even better? <laughs> You're going to sing for us, Fred? I don't know. Pillars, pillars, pillars of franchising. Pillars, pillars, pillars of franchising. Okay, I'm Fred McMurray. I'm with my co-host Ray Pillar and Jane Costuo. How you doing, Ray? How you doing, Jane? Good. Ray, how about you, Fred? <laughs> oh, I'm just trying not to have another coronary. That's you know, what a. It was rainy today in California. What can I say? Actually, it was. Oh no! It never rains in Southern California. Yes, it does. Oh wait, there's a song about that. <laughs> there is, and we're in Central California, and. It wasn't what I would consider rain. It was more of what I would consider drizzle. But for Californians, it's rain. One man's drizzle is another man's rain. And another man's hurricane, yeah. Uh (laughs) And how are you both today? Happy 2020. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to not writing 19 ever again. Oh, wait. (laughs) Amen. And Jane, how was your 2020? Well, you know, with all the days we've had so far, so far so good. We're still coming off the the holiday rush at at my office, so we're we're still we haven't quite slowed down yet. Yeah, I've been in there a couple of times to pick up hardware, and and it's been busy. So today, <laughs> our guest. Yeah, it's been busy. I saw. Your partner taping up a big box the other day, and he and I chatted, so it's all good. <laughs> Our guest today is Felina Hansen, uh, founder of Harahub, and sadly, uh, Felina will not be able to be on video, so we have, uh, we're going to have a nice big picture of her up there. Yeah. There we go. Felina, you there? I'm here. Hallelujah. We're all golden here, folks. How are you doing today, Felina? I am doing great. Thank you. So where are you, and what's the weather like? <laughs> I'm in San Diego, and it's sunny and 70 every day. Every day. Man, <laughs> Sucks to be us, doesn't it, even though we're on the Central Coast. So, yes. Jane, would you like to start out with the first question today? Well, sure. Let me let me tell our, our listeners just a little bit about Felina first. Um, she's absolutely amazing, and and if you happen to be a woman in business, she is someone you definitely want to get to know. She is an author. She wrote a book called The Flight Club: um, Rebel, Reinvent, and Thrive. She's an entrepreneur. She has started the first female-focused international co-working space. She's got three locations in Southern California, location in Phoenix, Washington, D.C., and because it's international, she threw in Stockholm and Sweden as well. She is absolutely amazing. She's got a lot of knowledge and knows how to help you get started in the business to make what your passion is something you actually make money at and can call a business. 
I think that it's fabulous to have her on the show today so that she can help us talk this a little bit about the differences in franchising versus licensing for businesses. Selena, thanks for joining us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. That has to be the okay. longest intro this show has ever heard. <laughs> very professional, very long. <laughs> way, way above oh, my guess, grade. Thank I you, Jay. Just or do the time they take. That's what I have to say about that one. <laughs> so, Selena, tell us a little bit about the business that you started called Harahub.com. <laughs> yeah, Harahub is a co-working space and business accelerator. I built the company, launched it over eight years ago. Um, we are, as you said in the intro, female-focused, but not exclusive to women, Um if a gentleman enjoys a spa-inspired workspace, a beautiful setting, a physical workspace, and uh, wants to support female entrepreneurs, he is welcome to join as well. Very nice. So in your business, you deal with a lot of other women in business. Do you know a lot of women who either own franchises or license their business? I know a handful of both uh, folks who have franchised more on the franchisee side and or licensed on both sides, either licensees or licensors. Yes. So for, for our listeners, what would you say the differences are between a franchise company or a licensed company? Yeah. And Jean, just to be clear, I'm not an attorney. <laughs> So, you know, I, there's really kind of limited information I can uh, really go into on this. Um, I'll give you a short answer, and then I'm happy to talk about anything else you want to talk about. But, uh, you know, franchising is, as you all know, you know, um, an important process. Um, typically, folks, and the reason why we stayed more on the licensing side of things is, for a little more flexibility and autonomy uh, in, you know, what our licensees are able to do. We also didn't take a model um, that was kind of a multi-unit uh, model. Our model is more individual owner-operator model. So, again, um, chose a, a bit of a different path uh, in what we're doing than a franchise path. So, that's unfortunately about the, the extent of it. I, I think it's probably better to get an attorney on to talk about the differences. Well, I know that um, from the legality side, I really don't know the differences in the, in the legal side as far as setting up your company as a franchise or setting it up as a license, a company that sells licensing. Um, I do know some examples of um, companies that do licensing um, and, and it seems to me that most of them tend to want to expand their business into other areas other than what they're currently doing. Um, examples are like Calvin Klein. They don't, they don't make their perfume. They license that out. Um, Disney and Warner Brothers, whether it comes to um, their logo, their, their pictures, their princesses, whomever it might be. Um, Girl Scouts actually also um, – does a lot of licensing and they'll sell licenses for their cookies. They actually make their cookies 
but they'll sell licenses for the cookie types or the cookie names so that other people can use it to make things like ice cream or cupcakes and candy and things that the Girl Scouts don't do. But they're still able then to um, help increase brand recognition through those other products without having to learn the industry of making ice cream and candy. So I think there's some advantages from a um, owner's standpoint for licensing. Um, but then there's also advantages from the franchise side. Um, you know, they can e expand their brand and have their consistent experience for their customers go out without buying additional brick and mortar. But they also uh, maintain more control over what's done at those individual locations, um, which um, then in turn gives the people who buy it advantages and disadvantages. So I think that if you're a business owner, if you're looking at franchising your company or licensing your company, it really depends on what it is you're trying to accomplish. Um, now you have your company as a licensing company. Are you looking to um, keep it as licensed or are you looking to franchise in the future? I don't have an answer for you on that, Jane. Um, but for now, we've made the, the decision to focus on licensing. Again, I'm not an expert, and I think it's probably better to engage an attorney on those types of conversations. Okay. Uh, so on the, on the attorney side, the last one I talked to, which was a, a, a guest of ours, um, for a franchisee, there is a relationship of control where the underlying business is required to operate in accordance with designated systems and procedures. How's that for So in other Ooh. words, Ray, you and, and Jane, you got to do things the way <laughs> corporate says, whereas, well, Felina yeah. doesn't have to do anything she doesn't want to do since she's the co-founder. So I, I was going to try and clarify by asking Felina, uh, if I purchased the life's license, uh, for Harahub, what would I get? Uh, yeah, you know, again, this is not a conversation that I'm exactly, you know, qualified to talk about, but um, you you get a brand, basically, is, is what you get. <laughs> okay. The license logo, I mean, I would have, you know, I would get the logo and the brand and with uh, like with Molly made, of course, I you know I have to sign a contract saying I'm going to uh, abide by all the rules and regulations, and I don't dilute the brand, and I, uh, you know, well, you know, the whole big thick yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, the uh, book that you get. Um, so, and related to that, you know, I don't want to get into the legalese. I'm just trying to make it simple for anybody who's listening. Uh, you know, so we can kind of differentiate easily between the licensing and the franchise. Sure. Yes. So they, they get a brand and they, they have a lot of autonomy to operate how they would like to operate their location. Which is the basic difference between it. As Selena just said, they get a whole lot of, uh, the ability to do it their own way, whereas a franchisee doesn't. So mm -hmm. I want to kind of move past the, the licensing thing now that we've got this kind of got it down of you get a brand, you get a logo, and you get to do things the way you want versus you get a brand, a logo, and have to do things the way somebody else wants. And ask why, does, why do most of the 
Um, are most of your licensees women? How many are men? And why do they become licensees? What are they hoping to fulfill in their lives, I guess is the question. Yeah, so we have two company-owned locations and six licensed locations, so we're still quite small. And our licensees have chosen to utilize the brand um, because they want to help and support new entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that are looking to grow their business. So, again, it's a, it's a physical co-working space. Most people know the company we work. Um, obviously, WeWork has gotten a lot of press lately, um, and the baseline of WeWork is, you know, same similar business model, um, but they went and borrowed a ton of money and got a significant amount of venture capital backing their company, and they expanded very, very quickly. So I'll set that aside for a sec, but if folks don't know what a co-working space is, most people have heard of WeWork. Um and so, you know, they can frame that as far as what the business model is. Um, but our mission, we are, so we're a public benefit corporation. Um, our mission is to support the launch and growth of new businesses and the growth of existing businesses, helping them find resources, mentoring, education uh, they need to either launch or grow their business. Yeah. Now, is that something that you do through an online system? Is it something that happens by simply going into the facility? How do they have those resources available it's to them? Physically, we're a physical co-working space. People physically come into the space and they utilize it for physical workspace, meeting space, but also to connect with other entrepreneurs. So we we say we are a platform. So each of our locations has on average between 80 to 120 members. Think of it like a gym where you pay a membership and you come and utilize the space on a flexible basis. Um, but really our secret sauce is, you know, yes, we have beautiful spaces. Um, they're much smaller than we work locations. Our locations are anywhere from about 3,500 square feet to 6,000 square feet where a WeWork space is going to be you know, 20,000 square feet. So our locations are quite a bit smaller, a little more intimate. Um, and folks come in, we do a full business assessment. When they come in the door, if they're interested in membership, helping them understand where they need support in their business. And then we act kind of like a concierge where we connect them with other business owners that may be able to help them in their path, whether it's launch or growth of their business. Now, do they have a requirement on how much time they can use the facility or how much time they are um, required to use the facility? So we have different membership plans. And so folks have uh, kind of a, a range of hours that they can use in the facility based on their membership level. So is there a manager, owner or manager need to be present at the facility? Uh, and if so, uh, is there recommended training uh, for that person? So there's a community manager um, or community director in each location. And that person's job really is connecting the community, frankly. It's being that catalyst to help members 
find each other or find outside resources uh, that they need to, you know, again, either launch or grow their business. We, we have members who still have full-time jobs who are trying to what, you know, we call side, side launch a business. And then we have members who have been in business for 15 years. So typically you spoke of resources. Uh, typically what resources are pro- provided uh, for a person attending uh, this operation? Yeah, so again, we act as a platform where members step up and provide resources for each other. So we have attorneys, CPAs, folks in marketing, for example, who act as subject matter experts. Uh, They may teach a class. They may offer kind of free open hours. We also, uh, you know, connect with and support some of the public agencies or government-backed agencies like SCORE and SBDC, so they hold mentoring hours in our facilities as well. Um, So really, I just keep going back to we act as a platform uh, to, you know, allow members to be part of a community. That's, That's the inherent problem. If anybody's ever worked for themselves, by themselves in their spare bedroom, you know it's incredibly isolating. And not everybody wants to get out and network, right? Some people would love to be in their spare bedroom working for themselves by themselves forever and never have to talk to anybody. That's not our customer. Our customer is somebody who is working at home, is working for themselves or trying to get to the point where they're self-employed and they miss having a sense of community. They miss having a network. And so they're seeking out this, you know, Again, strong sense of community and support network, and that's where a Hera Hub location or, or, frankly, any kind of co-working space is done well, uh, which is creating community. Um, a co-working space can be incredibly helpful to an entrepreneur, not only to combat isolation, um, but also to help find, you know, support and resources that they can trust. As an entrepreneur, you know, you have so many things to, to do and set up and got to build a website, you've got to do marketing, you've got to set up an accounting system, you've got to bill people and collect money and all these things. And for a lot of people, that's daunting and you don't know who to trust to, to help you set up some of these systems and structures. So a lot of entrepreneurs spend a lot of money they don't need to spend. Um, so that is really, you know, the, the place where we come, if somebody is seeking that sense of community and camaraderie and support, that's where they may look to go to a co-working space. So, uh, she said the M word, sorry. <laughs> so uh, I, I think you already answered this because you said you had several different types of contracts, but typically what would the cost be and typically, what kind of business uh, rents the coach space? Yeah, so again, a lot of our members are on the business services side, so attorneys, folks in finance, marketing. We also host a number of nonprofit organizations, you know, management consultants, executive consultants, business coaches, um, so heavily on the service side. We do have a handful of folks that, that have developed products and are manufacturing, obviously, they're not storing things there or whatnot. They're just conducting, you know, part of their business there, um, you know, having meetings, that type of thing. And on average, you know, we range, we have uh, private offices in each of our locations, just a handful. 
and those range around a thousand a month if a member wants a flexible workspace where they don't have their own dedicated space it's, it's a flex space which is where most of our members lie on average they're paying about two hundred dollars a month oh okay sounds reasonable typically physical uh can i mean you get a desk yeah. an office space maybe a co- uh, uh, share a copier a uh, fax machine or something like that yeah, standpoint. not too many people faxing things anymore, but uh, yes, <laughs> once in a while. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I had to throw it in there. I, you know, I, I find it strange. I, I pay for e-fax, uh, what is it, $13 a month, and I use it probably once or twice a month, and it's only certain, same one or two companies. It's weird. You know, we actually do faxing at our, our store. And interestingly enough, it's safer to send things via fax than email. So we have customers who come in because the business that they are uh, working with insists on things coming via fax. So, yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, I so we, you're right. It is safer. <laughs> it's that time, folks. So we're going to take a break to pay the bills. Um, Got to transition. So. Yes, folks, it's commercial time. So I want to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting our show. Remind people they can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. Also want to give a shout-out to uh, Jenna Paulson of Molly Made of Gretna and Cindy Edwards, a licensee, no less, of Efficient First Solutions. Uh, They've most recently become Westvine clients. And now, congratulations. Finally got to Omaha. (laughs) Way to go, Jenna. Now, word from Michelle, one of our sponsors. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine.com. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072.
And as a quick reminder, you can fill out the form on the Pillars of Franchising website, and we'll also send you the book, uh, courtesy of Nick. And the last time Nick was on, he sweetened the offer and said, if you fill out the form for the book, you'll also get not only the um, Franchise MBA, you'll also get a copy or a set of virtual reality uh, gear. Cool stuff. So a book in virtuality, and we're still working on how to bring you Pillars of Franchising in virtual reality, although Ray will claim I'm in virtual reality. Go ahead. <laughs> well, virtually, but not reality. <laughs> I live in... I live in the central coast of California. What do you expect? Yeah, what pill did you take? Um, I've taken metropro- Metroprolol. Uh, uh, Is it red or green? Zedia. Or blue, rather. <laughs> no, they're white or yellow. And oh. <laughs> oh, crap, what's the other one? There's another one in there that I – oh, the baby aspirin. So, yeah, the, the heart-healthy ones. So, you want to ask a question to our guest rather than me? No, 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 no. You haven't asked any questions, really. So I'm just ahead. watching everything else. So, Jane, take it away. <laughs> okay. So, um, walk me through when I walk into a hair hub facility. What is it like? I understand the concept of the connections, but do I walk in? Is there a front office area I go into first? Um, how does it look on the inside? Sure, yeah. Each of our locations has a, uh, you know, what we call a front lounge area. It's not, uh, you know, Janie, the receptionist, pretending to answer your phone as you would see in an executive suite. Um, But there's always somebody there to to greet you, say hello. If you are having a client meeting um, and you need a private meeting room, we have several of those on site. Um, a big, large, open workspace of uh, not desks but tables that can be rearranged easily because we host a number of events in the evening and on the weekends for organizations. And as part of our benefit corporation status, uh, one of our four areas we focus on is uh, supporting local nonprofit organizations. So in uh, most of our spaces, we're donating a significant amount of space to nonprofits to host their events or board meetings. Um, so that space is by day co-working space and by night event space or workshop space. Um, and then a shared common kitchen, uh, copy area, mail handling, as you noted, and then um, a handful of private offices. That's not our core focus, like an executive suite, most of it's open collaborative space because when people happen to be sitting elbow to elbow or across the table from each other, there's that natural opportunity to strike up a conversation. Um, We host a significant number of workshops, most of which are member-led, and so members may come, attend a workshop, learn about, for example, today's workshop was on Uh, creating systems in your business so you can uh, potentially outsource um, some of the admin side of your work that you're doing to a virtual assistant. Um, So learning uh, what processes uh, a business owner needs to go through to to look at that. Everything we do is very action-oriented, hands-on. So it's not like just sitting and watching a lecture or presentation. It's let's list the things in your business that you need to get off your plate and are below your pay grade and figure out who the right person is to step in and support you so you can grow your business, as an example. 
We do monthly member lunches, um, happy hours, all kinds of different events to bring members together. We have online listings where members can learn about each other and interact with each other. So really, yes, it's space. It's, as I mentioned earlier, what we call spa-inspired space, meaning there's running water and aromatherapy candles and nice music playing and, you know, it's beautiful, you know, decor, so to speak, not frilly or foofy, but uh, professional yet comfortable. Um, so when members come, they have a productive workspace or a place to meet with a client, and they also have the opportunity to meet other like-minded entrepreneurs. Sure. Not froofy? So what? Pardon me? I said not froofy? <laughs> not froofy. That's what I right. said. Not froofy. Yes. So what? I like it. <laughs> So what inspired you? What gave you the idea to start um, licensing TerraHub? Uh, because we had people from other parts of the country that were asking about it. Um, they liked, you know, what we were doing. They liked the, the concept, the brand, and wanted to, you know, explore doing something like that in their city as well. So is this the first time you've ever licensed a company or had a company that you license out? Correct. Yes. So what were your biggest challenges when you were getting started with that? Uh, you know, I I don't know that I've had a lot of challenges on that front. I think more so just the the building of the company initially. So a lot of people, you know, eight, I've been in business over eight years. Coworking's been around longer than that, of course, but really only started to kind of take off as a concept um, about five years ago. So when I started the company in San Diego, there was only one other coworking space in San Diego at the time. There was another space that was opening at the exact same time I was. Both of those businesses are no longer in business. So this idea of starting a space seems pretty simple, but actually getting a commercial real estate, you know, owner to believe in what you're doing as a new concept is not easy. So most of my challenges in the business have been in the, the realm of space, frankly. It's negotiating a favorable lease, you know, finding the right space first, negotiating a favorable lease um, is much harder than one would imagine. And there's a lot of things that go into, you know, finding that right space at the right price point. And that has been the biggest challenge of the business in general. And, and the reason why, as we look to continue the business, we're looking at alternative options. In other words, you know, we've been talking to a few mall space operators, um, you know, look at the mall industry. I mean, it has changed so significantly with e-commerce. People aren't going there to shop like they used to. The malls are having to reinvent themselves. So if they, you know, can add a destination uh, space, like a co-working space, as part of a reason to get people there and then shop, that's, that's an important thing that a lot of mall operators are looking for. So, you know, the future the business will change. I mean, it's, it's, it's business is always changing. Um, so that's been the biggest challenge. And, you know, I frankly, I started the business because 
I had a business prior to this. I had a marketing company for eight years. And prior to that, I was working in mostly startup companies in field of marketing. And I just, you know, I'm one of those people that needs to get out and interact with people and have a strong sense of community. I'm, I'm an extrovert. And so working for myself for eight years running that business, it did get isolating, frankly. And, and I missed having that. I missed having coworkers, frankly. I missed having that sense of community. And so it was my need and the need of others in my network that, you know, led me to actually launch this business. You know, I got to say, I've gone through enough malls lately and seen a whole lot of empty space. And I've kept thinking that, A, we should have uh, governmental offices there because, hey, why not? Space is available. Mm -hmm. And co-working places because there's a lot of parking and you don't have to worry about parking at a mall. So I think the fact that you're moving that way is brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. I I have a question. Uh, Interestingly enough, I I typed in H-E-R-A and Google came up with Hera Hub immediately. So then I said, well, okay, what just Hera by itself. And I erased the hub part and it came up with Hera is the queen of gods and is the wife and sister of Zeus. So the question to you, Felina is how did you come up with the name? You took my question. (laughs) I hate you. Yeah. So to your point, Hera being the great goddess of women, um, you know, what she stands for is, if you read further, that she guarded and protected and watched over women through every stage of their life, um, you know, as a, a Greek deity. So uh, I thought that was fitting. It was, it's simple, it's easy to spell, it's easy to Google, um, and it also has meaning uh, behind it, you know. So it's not overtly feminine, so to speak. I mean, there's been, we've been copied now hundreds of times, if you will, from this concept of a female-focused workspace. And a lot of them, a lot of folks have named their business, you know, her workspace or she hub or, you know, something overtly feminine. And that's not what we wanted. We wanted something that that had deeper meaning. So I'll tell you kind of a fun story since uh, the Central Coast is sort of part of this equation here. I grew up on the Central Coast. Uh, in Arroyo Grande, California. My father still has a business there. I still come come up to visit once in a while. And I actually grew up with peacocks. And Hera's symbol, if you look at an image search of Hera, you will oftentimes see her positioned next to a full-plume male peacock. And that's because, uh, as it came to be known, her symbol was that of a male peacock feather. Uh, because, again, she was known to have big, beautiful eyes and was very watchful over women through every stage of their life and sometimes referenced that she had a thousand eyes like that of a peacock in full plume. So, uh, anyways, interesting story. I grew up with peacocks. I actually, my first entrepreneurial venture was selling peacock feathers at JJ's Market, which no longer exists in Rio Grande, California. I stood outside at eight years old with a dollar sign in my hand and a basket full of peacock feathers, and I made 80 bucks standing out there one, one fall uh, with peacock feathers. And so when I chose the name and found out the reference to the peacock, 
I thought it was very fitting for me and my personal entrepreneurial venture to sort of bring it full circle to my my first entrepreneur <laughs> venture. That's cool. That that is a great story. And interestingly enough, for those of you who don't know, she actually has a peacock on the front cover of her book. Oh, like we yes. mentioned about, we so, about Well, so the book title is thank you, Jane, is called Flight Club, as in taking flight as an entrepreneur or taking flight as a bird, if you will. Uh, it is a play on the movie Fight Club with Brad Pitt, the, the late 90s movie, uh, because uh, a number of reasons. Uh, number one, I watched that movie right in the late 90s when I was thinking about, you know, what, what is my next adventure? You know, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. I knew someday I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I was working in you know, kind of a gray cubicle at the time, if you will, and really kind of longing to break out. And that's the premise of that movie is Edward Norton is sitting in his gray cubicle, sort of feeling nothing, wanting to do something different. And he meets, of course, Brad Pitt. And if you've seen the movie, you know the rest of the story. So it's a play off that movie, um, but taking flight as an entrepreneur and being part of something. Sometimes Tara Hub will get called Hera Club because it is sort of a, a club of sorts. It's a community of people who are there to support each other. So uh, that, you know, again, kind of tying it back to my, my roots, my first entrepreneurial venture. Um, also in other cultures like Indian culture, um, the peacock is very revered. And so, and, you know, it has certain meanings and con- connotations to it. So that's why I named the book Flight Club rebel, reinvent, and thrive, how to launch your dream business. Okay, so just want to make sure of one thing. You said Hera Club, not Hair Club, meaning Hair Club for men. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So we're going to find a part of hearing. Yeah, right. sure Hera Club, not I, I think you're, yes, you're more happy with really, truly, than anyone else is, Fred. Mm-hmm. When, what else is <laughs> You guys are so funny. I suppose that's an easy mistake to make, though, because you were talking about hair club and then hair. So I got it. You guys are you guys are there. So on your in your book, you talked a little bit about uh, your journey and the journey of other women. What common denominator is it that you found when people, women in this particular case, are trying to start their own business and become self-employed? I think there's two things. Number one, women tend to, and this is a generalization, this doesn't apply, but women oftentimes are juggling many, many things, right? We don't just launch a business. We have family, we've got community, we're we, we tend to be the ones that say yes and volunteer for whatever it is, fill in the blank. So women are juggling a lot of things. And that can be challenging when you're trying to start a business. It takes a lot of time and energy to start a business. And so consistently the struggle between taking care of my family, being there you know, for my children or whatever it is, and trying to do this at the same time, that's why a lot of these, you know, there's all these really great incubator programs where you, you know, like Techstars, right? So you 
come up with this tech business and you go live in Boulder, Colorado for three months with a bunch of other entrepreneurs and launch your business idea. Most women can't do that, frankly. We've got other things going on in our life. We can't just leave everything and then go somewhere else to, to try to start a business. So that's one thing that can be a challenge for women is all the demands that we're facing in our, our life. And number two, frankly, and I hate to say this, and I, I hope one day I don't have to say this, but it's confidence. Women are not as confident as we should be in a lot of cases, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But, you know, sometimes gentlemen will be a little more confident in their business and, and their, you know, their success record or their knowledge of what they're doing, and they push forward where women oftentimes you know, or questioning or what we talk a lot about is imposter syndrome. I talk about that in the book a fair bit of, you know, am I really doing this? Is this a real thing? Right. And, and unfortunately it's just not every woman, but, but a lot of, I mean, we've worked with over 12,000 women in the last eight years in either the launch or growth of their business. I've got a pretty good sample size to pull from. And, you know, a lot of times women are just, they're not as confident as they should be in their business and their services. And then last, as a a kind of a tangent of that, a lot of times women are starting service-based businesses. They're, They're a marketing professional. They're an attorney. They're a CPA. And so they are their business, right? They are a service provider. And people are doing business with them personally. And it's hard to kind of build boundaries. When somebody says, no, I don't want your services, they're not saying no to you. They're saying no to your business. And I see a lot of women that, that kind of get stuck on that, um, you know, that the, the, the separation of themselves and their business. So there's a few things that I've noticed uh, over the years. So women are, are more cautious, I think. And, and that kind of, it, it have a tendency uh, to, prohibit them from moving forward as they should, being a little bit more bold. Absolutely. And and oftentimes they're more cautious for a lot of really good reasons, right? I mean, you know, oh, yeah. what they yeah. have on their plate. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. They're safer drivers, as an example. Uh, well, and, of course, and many men may not play, think that. But, you know, in the, but, you know, in the state of California... And that is a law that mandates every publicly traded company has at least one woman on their board. Now, that's a very controversial law. There's people that are trying to fight it right now. I'm not going to get into that whole debate. But the statistics show nationally that when a company does have a woman on their board, and they do have more women at the C-level, the company performs better. They are more profitable. And part of that has been contributed to women being a little more cautious, <laughs> you know, as it relates to the business itself or how the company's spending money or how they're raising money. Um, so it, it's important to have that balance, so to speak, you know, as we look at not only, you know, small companies, but huge, you know, publicly traded companies as well. See, I just... Men are reckless, you know, let's face it. Stupid is the <laughs> phrase I would have used, but that's okay. Men are just stupid already. Yeah. <laughs> I can't put my head through a wall. Watch me. 
<laughs> I think it's important to have diversification, you know, regardless of yeah. what um, area you're in, whether it's business, whether it is in um, your volunteer work, whether it's in your home life and your friendships that you develop. Diversification, I think, helps keep your views open into areas you might not even think of looking at. And that might be one of the reasons why companies do so much better is because they're able to see things from different viewpoints that they wouldn't have seen otherwise when there is not a woman on the board. True. Absolutely. True. And women make 85% of the buying decisions. I think it's interesting, especially these companies, a lot of these large, you know, fashion companies or skincare companies have no women on their boards. Like you are selling to women. How do you not have a woman a woman's voice or thought process, you know, at the top of these companies. Like I said, stupid. So <laughs> I promised Selena, because she's got to be somewhere very, very soon, I promised her we, we uh, wouldn't kill off lots and lots of her time. So, Ray, your last question for Felina. Oh, certainly. Uh, I think, and it's uh, important. So if someone is interested in uh, your license, uh, how do they get a hold of you? And well, I'm not going to go any further than that right now. But how do they get this? Let's get that out of the way. How do they get a hold of you? Yep, just go to harahub.com, and there's information right there on the homepage. Okay, then Jane, I'll let you take one last swing at it, but it's got to be a short question. Okay, your your one to two line answer on your best. Um, piece of advice you can give women in business. No, I don't have a last question. I don't have a last question. <laughs> yeah, my best advice is find support. Don't do it alone. Find community wherever you are. Find a co-working space. Find an organization. I'm also part of the National Association of Women Business Owners. I run the San Diego community of that particular nonprofit organization. So find community, find support. Absolutely. Awesome. want to thank Felisa Hansen, the founder of HaraHub.com, for coming and putting up with our shenanigans today. We love to have them. And, um, well, I, normally if you were in, like, a cold place, I'd tell you to stay warm and avoid the snow. But <laughs> you're in a place where it's always 70 and sunny, so you don't have a problem with weather. So want to wish yeah. you a great weekend and a happy 20th. 2020. Yeah. Thanks for showing up on the show, Felina. Thank you. Take care. Talk Thanks, Felina. Bye-bye. So, folks, topic for uh, Jane. Actually, this is kind of hits you more than it does anybody else, I think. The newest labor law that went into effect in 2020 in California. Um, any thoughts on how that's going to affect business? It's, I think, now, what AB, is the newest labor law? Because there's so I many. AB5 is what it was. That doesn't tell our audience anything. Oh, yeah. Complain, complain. Not everybody is on the left coast. California AB5 is the one that deals with workers' status, independent contractors, um, and even franchisees uh, can get hit with it on who's a full-time employee and who's not. Um, it it, it seems to be hitting Uber and Lyft. They've both filed. Um, they've both filed large uh, lawsuits to stop it. Since Jane is a California franchisee and one of the few people around that shows up on this show that'll have a, a 
an opinion on it. What's your opinion on it, Jane? Well, I think it opens up a can of worms for a lot of companies. Um, they've been calling people um, contractors. Um, and, and in such, the contractors themselves have more flexibility. But as a business owner, you have a whole lot of benefits that you don't have to pay out with your employees being at that status. So I think that there's going to be some shifts and some change. There's going to be some juggling. People are going to dance around a little bit until they find where their particular business fits. Um, I'm not sure that we're ever going to make everyone happy on both sides, but I can tell you that for the businesses who do have things set up the correct way or the way it was originally intended, aren't really going to feel the impact from this. But the businesses who have been um, exercising under contract employees and enjoying those benefits are going to have to take another look at how they're actually running their business from the operations side of things. And, you know, there's going to be a cost involved. So um, mm -hmm. that then spreads out for more than just the business and the employees, but anyone who wants to use that business as well. So we're just going to have to wait and see what happens as it goes. And I think we'll be surprised at how many businesses will change a little bit because of that. And as we see rising prices and we, you know, raise our eyebrows a little bit, um, the cost of their doing business is going to change. So we'll all pay. Now, typically, uh, I think that's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but in, in the rest of the world, it's called a 1099 employee. Is that what mm -hmm. we're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think there are companies who do take advantage of that. And the 1099 employee gets highly disadvantaged in that they have virtually no benefits or say so in anything. So I can understand why California would want to move in that direction. Um, I'm not subject to any of that because all of our, our employees are our employees. You know, we don't, we don't uh, hire 1099s or any other type of, uh, there's another name where you rent an employee and I can't recall. What is it? POC? Is that what it's called? Back um, employee? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, we're pretty much, uh, uh, we are above board on everything that we do. And uh, mm -hmm. I can understand why that, you know, California would want to do something about that. One of the issues that people are complaining of, besides people that are like Uber or Lyft drivers, um, is uh, photographers. Mm -hmm. uh, photographers, I think, are limited to 35, or even freelance journalists are limited to something like 35 submissions per year, which if I'm a independent photojournalist, I could potentially be doing a, a couple of hundred photos mm -hmm. a year and I can't, I can't do more than 35. Otherwise I become one company unless of course I've got an LLC around me or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I, it, I find it an interesting topic and I got a feeling it's going to cause havoc all across the U S like, like yeah. so many things that we have created laws uh, around businesses. Businesses have abused something. Uh, like, a, why was a, a union originally created? And that's because the employers were abusing the employees in one way or another and not giving them full safety information or, or vacations or, or things like that. So many of the laws that hurt the employer 
They're caused by the employers themselves not doing what's right. End of end of uh, soapbox speech. <laughs> that was an editorial by Ray. Ray's editorial. So I should have zoomed in on you on that one. <sighs> you gotta treat your employees right. I don't know. My boss is a pain in the butt, but then again, you know. Well, yeah, well you're your own boss, so. <laughs> no, I have a boss. That's okay. Okay. So, Jane, <laughs> last question. What are your 2020 goals? Then I'll ask Ray the same thing. Who are you asking? Jane first. Ladies first. Oh, okay. Uh, I see. Well, you know, on, on a personal side, I've, I've got my goals, and they, they have more to do with taking control of the things that I can and have not been. Um, but from a business side, we always set goals for the store and what we want to do. And, you know, in the past, we've done 10%, et cetera, et cetera. But when you grow, you get to one point where 10% is it's a huge number. The percentage doesn't sound like nearly as much as maybe the dollars and cents do when you equate it. So we're looking at growth in different ways. We're looking at growth for um, a different percentage number, but we're also looking for the number of things that we're doing because we find that as we bring in new clientele, um, you know, even when they start small, it can grow on its own once you start developing that relationship. So I think 2020 has to do with relationships with our existing and potentially future customers. Ray? Mine is easy. Spend less time at work. <laughs> You're in the Grand Canyon all the time. I see you all the time in the Grand Canyon. What more, how much work can you do? Yeah, right. Exactly. So uh, that's an easy goal. Uh, I, I like what, what I have done is set it up so that the, the business, uh, my, my fantastic employees run the business very well. And for me, it's just a matter of tweaking here and there, you know what I mean? And I, I like that. So uh, as time has gone uh, on, I have been able to spend less time at work. Um, and I really enjoy that. I, I enjoy everyone I work with. I love working and I'm not sure I ever want to give that up. So, I mean, it's, it's you don't get to me, I, I am living what I want. So how much, and, and I get to talk about it on this fantastic show that we have. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, want, so, I wanted to put so a Fred, plug, in, plug in for my insurance agent, Jim Brennan. Uh, <laughs> he is a fantastic guy. We had him out for lunch to renew our, our insurance with them. He was with Lamb Little. So Jim, if you're listening, thank you very much. All right, go ahead. Go ahead, Jim. Fred, what are your goals for the new year? I was wondering, so the, the little girl you see in the background, one of my big goals uh, this year is to spend a lot more time uh, with go. her and her brother um, because mm -hmm. they crack me up. And, and when my, my granddaughter goes, family, it just makes my heart go pee. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so one of my goals is to um, uh, spend more time in Chicago, preferably when it's not snowing, but Again, I'll be <laughs> Who cares? there when it's Christmas time anyway. So um, part of it is to expand uh, West Vine into multiple cities. I actually was talking with somebody today about representing us in Phoenix, Phoenix family. Never okay. Um, and grow the business that way. 
And we've been working on another, a different show called How to Buy a Business Without Selling Your Soul. And if we can get that launched, um, and I, I have to do it this way, um, I find myself contemplating the idea of getting a real estate license. Oh, <laughs> done that. Got the shirt. <laughs> well, All right. Given that that one of the great things about the How to Buy a Business Without Selling Your Soul show is that it's phenomenal marketing for businesses that are up for sale. And every business broker I've talked to has kind of gone and slapped their head on it. What I found interesting was in 13 states, you need some type of license to uh, help somebody sell a business. And uh-huh. a real Well, you're not talking about physical Brick and mortar, you're talking a business, an entity. Yeah, but in 13 states, you need some type of license, and a real estate license, it actually works. California and Illinois are two states that are like that. Where do Mm -hmm. I go a lot? California and Illinois. So as much as the bathroom. Yeah, well, that too, but that could actually (laughs) be Um. It's on my list to, to, and I've actually talked to, in order, yeah, I don't want to say that. Let's put it this way. I've actually talked to the real estate company uh, that owns the our building about potentially long run buying out the real estate company. Yeah, there's lots of things I want to buy. <laughs> so, yes, those are my goals. That and <laughs> drop my cholesterol under 50. So, yeah, that's all good. <laughs> So, right. All right, folks. So, um, any news? Ray get, did a shout. Uh, Jane, I knew I'd do it. I knew I'd look at the the, the name tag, and and we got to have them change that next time around. Uh, <laughs> any shout outs from you, Jane? You know, I I will just tell you this that you know our 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 store's busy time obviously is this last month and and goes into this month as well and we have a little sandwich shop jersey mike's just down a couple of doors from our place they have saved my husband and i with a a meat protein wrap that we're able to go and split and have a really easy lunch that isn't too carbohydrate filled um but yet it's it's got enough to get us going through the day and they have been absolutely fabulous they have on occasion brought over leftover sandwiches uh, when they have had events and then people don't come and pick them up for whatever reason or they made the wrong sandwiches and brought over a box of sandwiches to the staff. So they definitely are the heroes this season. <laughs> was there a pun in there? Did you get heroes? The sandwiches? Uh, oh, yeah, that was a pun. Of course, that was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Can't win them all, folks. There, but I'm fun. I do like I I do like Jersey Mike's uh, pastrami. It's a decent pastrami. Actually, I think it's a Reuben, but I always get it without the sauerkraut. Yes, folks, you've just learned about more of my diet diet. So, <laughs> so not sure pastrami is going to help you with your cholesterol goals. I'm just saying. No, and that's why it's only maybe a once a month thing. Beef is uh-huh. yeah, so it's. It, Got to be healthy. Got to be hanging around for the grandkids because they cracked me up. So, folks, we'll be back next week. Uh, 
with another very interesting, humorous, and informative show. This is... Fearless, 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 fearless